welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Colby Conway, at Colby R. Conway on Twitter. And with me here, not one, but two great baseball minds with me. So we'll kick it over to Matt at the Salesman on Twitter first. So Matt, how are things going for you this week? Things are good. Um, had, you know, pretty entertaining weekend watching baseball and uh, some some pretty entertaining NASCAR races. So things are good, gearing up for another week here of baseball and NASCAR. So things can't be going that badly. Absolutely. And then the other man here in the booth, we got James at the underscore real underscore Grande, who's uh, grinding some underdog player props with me here this season for uh, <laughs> for Major League Baseball. So, uh, James, how's everything with you? Everything's good, man. And uh, the leverage definitely seems to be on the pitching on the underdog props, just for the record. Uh, the, uh, the hitters props, which are coming around as the bats heat up, um, as the old balls get, you know, shuffled into the uh, the mix without baseball telling us. But, uh, yeah, uh, have enjoyed underdog quite a bit. And you know what? Shout out to Matt Sells and his wife. The, their, as I found out today, seventh wedding anniversary today. So shout out to Matt and uh, and to Jackie, too. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Congrats. A touchdown of anniversaries. Well, yes. Touchdown and extra point. Touchdown and an extra point, yeah. Grand slam and, you know, a three-run homer, but anyway. <laughs> or exactly how many runs Juan Soto saved by himself, this or produced by himself, if you count his two homers, and then robbing a three-run shot. I don't want to I don't want to harp on Soto too much. I think every time I've used him on underdog or prize picks, I never get it right. So I'm just going to start letting <laughs> people know when I play Soto. That way, just take the under, because it's a near... It's a near guarantee if we're being honest, but of course had a lot of baseball action here and I would be remiss if we didn't start with the slap heard around the world. I think we have to start there. Uh, I'm a little partial because leagues that I have played in, if a player is out, they can go on the IR spot. A lot of times in certain league settings, you can determine the, uh, the IL or the IR eligibility for a player so for me I have done it in my league so I guess that kind of puts me on one side of the fence compared to the others but uh Matt we'll start with you talk about the slap heard around the world well a couple things one I agree with you I've been in leagues in which if a guy is out doesn't matter if it's just for the week or whatnot if they have an O next to their name you can put them on the IR that's the default setting on ESPN and I think possibly uh NFL.com too uh might be mistaken but um and also, by the way, if Tommy Pham is doing that uh, too, then why the hell are you slapping Jock Peterson? Um, and also, how long are you going to hold a grudge for, man? This was like five months in the making, through the whole lockout of the players, um, and then dragging Mike Trout into it. That's just not, like, why are you taking the whole ship down, dude? I know you play on a craptastic team this year, but, like, you, why, why are you going to go slap people? It's just, that's just stupid. And quit the league after like five weeks. Like, that's pretty stupid. Yeah, I don't, it was, it was quite odd. James, what do you think about the whole slap? And is it a, are we a perfect three for three on people who have quote unquote manipulated the IL requirements or the eligibility in your leagues? Yeah. And uh, obviously they did too. And it just should have been something that Tommy Pham was hip to, right? That's, I mean, they're in the off season at that point. So he should know the rules. Um, even Jock, Jock, uh, portrayed it perfectly with his meme that he sent to the, to the group with the text. Padres were in third brother. Like you weren't even in the playoffs at that point. You could, all your attention should be towards your fantasy football teams. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I think that just comes down to Tommy Pham not understanding the uh, the rules of his league. And well, and- hold on, because because Jock intimated that Tommy Pham, and then I think showed the receipts that Tommy Pham did the same thing. Yeah, did the same thing. Yep, did the same thing. So, so maybe he understood it, but was just bitter was just that pissed. somebody used it against him. And his team, and obviously his team stunk. So right. uh, you know what, Tommy Pham, you're big L for you in this. Uh, but I did see people talking about how Tommy Pham's going to have a uh, after this tour and of all this like media coverage. He uh, they asked him at like why he was scratched from the lineup that one day, and he's like, "It's not from the slap. Don't worry." Um, I do see a lot of people talking about Tommy Pham in the media, which I think is interesting that he's uh, garnering that much attention. Uh, well, but he might be going towards the media anyway because his playing career is not going to be too much longer. Nope. Jeez. Well, that's, this is a really rough turn of events here for Tommy <laughs> Pham. It really it started with like a yeah, we've all done it, and so have you. Into like a his career's over. Good luck in the media type thing. I mean, doesn't uh, that happen in Cincinnati? Like, right? You go to Cincinnati, yeah. and it's just like what happens? Happened to Griffey, right? I mean. I mean, it's the, the slap was interesting. It was neat to it, it's cool when you have like the human element behind some of these these players and stuff. It's like, hey, they yeah. play just like we do. Now, what they should do is make sure they check out all the fantasy alarm draft guide stuff for MLB and NFL, because I believe both draft guides always have a know your league rules article. Yep. Um, yes. sure do. Input. So that's what they that's what Tommy needs to do. And, you know, he can he can check that out. But also, by the way, my fantasy football team name this year is the Jock Slaps. Okay. There are going to be many with that, or like the fam. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of teenagers. Rich Eisen did an entire like twelve minute segment on Tommy Fam fantasy football team names. Well, we will not do a twelve minute segment. <laughs> now, after after that one, I don't know if I have like a like a, like an open fam slap. That's probably the only thing I can come up with pretty quick. Um, so we'll we'll go like a twelve second segment on it, but. Uh, another outfielder we got to touch on, Jordan Alvarez, 24 years old with about 42-year-old legs or knees, it seems like, with him. He got paid pretty good for a frequent DH sometime outfielder for Houston. I believe it's 115 mil for him. Hard, It's hard to blame him for taking the money. One would figure when his deal was up, he'd probably earn more than that as long as he stayed healthy. But uh, James will kick it to you first. Jordan got paid. Just great for him. Probably could have got more if he waited. But again, it's really hard to blame someone when someone says, hey, just sign your name, which is all of about 15 or 16 letters. And you're getting one hundred and fifteen million dollars till nearly the end of this decade. Right. And it's it's rare for players um, not yet eligible for arbitration to get this type of money. Uh, Just the fifth time that someone has gotten over 100 mil, two of the five have been Astros, which I find um, interesting. They're clearly interested in locking their players up early um, and getting discounts on them. Cause I believe they did that with Springer and then they did it with Bregman and now they've done it with Jordan. So um, yeah, I can't blame the guy and, and another guy who by the end of this deal is 30 years old, still in the prime of his career uh, and whether he's going to continue with Houston after that, who knows? But I mean, like you said, it doesn't hurt him though, that he's a full-time DH because he, that's what baseball's, doing right now right like there's no hitching uh pitching hitters so um he could be a full-time dh and, and he's worthy of the money as long as he you know goes 33 92 and 104 like he did last year uh every year so yeah big big ups to jordan on the contract it's well deserved and uh sure many many years of domination to come yep absolutely matt any comments on the jordan deal 
Uh, I will just say that there's no other bat like Jordan in their system, right? Because they got they got pretty well ham, you know, hamstrung there by a a bad system and b they lost first and second round draft picks in two straight years and two of the strongest drafts in a while. Um, so yeah, I mean, locking up a guy who's going to hit in the middle of your lineup for the next six years is a pretty good idea, considering the fact they lost Springer and Correa. Uh, recently, and could still lose some other guys too. So there aren't there aren't. I'll take it a step further. There aren't many bats like Albert just in, in baseball. It's pretty well, true. Look at his numbers here. He has a ridiculous three sixty nine expected batting average right now. Like good <laughs> lord, this dude just and his strikeout rate is down compared to last year. So yeah, he's he's impressive. And like the thirty three and ninety or yeah thirty three and ninety plus or whatever he ended up doing last year. I mean that's pretty much going to be his floor moving yep. forward as long as. Well, we'll get to the current state of affairs in Houston a little bit later, but if they play how they should based on name value in that lineup, he's going to be just fine in a fantasy monster for right. years to come. But people need to continue just to get the 10 or 15 games in the outfield so that he can keep that outfield eligibility. Fair. That's what we need for sure. Um, go to San Diego. History has been made uh, with Mackenzie Gore. Uh, Padres end up tweet out only MLB pitcher to 55 or more strikeouts in an ERA of 1.5 or lower over their first nine career appearances since all the way back in 1913 when ERA became an official stat. We talked a couple weeks ago of who's going to stick in this rotation, and it was pretty adamant that Gore had to stay in. There was no point to take him out. So Mackenzie Gore has been absolutely dominant. Matt, I'm going to kick it to you first. Are we going to see potentially an innings limit down the line, or is San Diego just going to say, screw it, we have a chance, we're just going to run him? I don't think we're going to see an innings limit um, because he's been pretty healthy his entire minor league career. Um, he did struggle last year, but you know he still got a pretty decent innings uh, workload in. And he's been developed as a guy who's a frontline starter who can take all these innings. And let's face it, San Diego needs as much innings help from their rotation as possible at this point, um, because it seems like Musgrove and uh, Gore are the only two quality arms in that grouping. Um, so, yeah, I think he stays there. I don't think we're concerned about an innings um, cap at this point. I don't see one coming. Now, does that mean they could shift him to the bullpen for the playoffs? Maybe. Maybe they do with him what the Nats did with Patrick Corbin in their 2019 World Series run. Um, but, yeah, for the regular season, there's no way this guy's coming out of the rotation at this point. James, anything to add on the San Diego Southball? I mean, I I wouldn't say it's like a foregone conclusion that he wouldn't be on a limit because – he is 23 and he doesn't have major league experience past, you know, this year. So, and we've just seen with how things have been so trendy, like pitchers just are nurtured and they're cared for. And they're like, like we're not going to see Mackenzie Gore approach 200 innings. I would say we're might not even like 150 might be even uh, pushing a little bit. So because they do have arms, and I, I don't necessarily disagree, Matt, with your take on, like, Musgrove and Gore being their only two good pitchers. I will say, Blake Snell has not looked bad in his few starts that he's made this year and actually gave us six innings in a start his last time out, and I want to applaud him for that um, because that is something that we haven't seen much, uh, you know, 
like Bigfoot over the last few years. I think they have enough when they're healthy to like make sure Gore isn't pitching too much. So I actually well, I mean, they um, could go six man rotation, but correct. Still. What, but that limits, but that would limit his innings essentially. Right, but we're did. not hearing them say he's not going above 120, and then we're going to shut him down. Fair. Well, right. I guess until then, I guess until then, I can't definitively say they are going to. But you know, history suggests that they would limit him down the stretch, b- barring, you know, they're, everyone like everyone's arm blows up, right? Unless they don't have the availability elsewhere. Like, they actually have seven starters with Gore. Like, they have seven guys that can start. Yeah. So, and I, I know what you're saying. Are they all, seven of them quality? No. Um, I mean, Clevenger went like a half an inning, thought about it, and then got hurt again. Right. Um, so I, I'm just saying, like, when they're healthy, they have a way to manipulate his innings to, like, where they're not overdoing it. And I think that does potentially hurt us long term and, you know, for for non-dynasty leagues. Um, but obviously you're running him out every fifth day right now. And it could be something where, like Matt said, it's not going to be the firm shutdown. But right. we just you know, come a month or two in the future, we just might not be seeing any Mackenzie Gore two start weeks. They end up doing the soft, basically the soft innings limit of, hey, we're just going to go the six-man rotation and kind of manipulate it that way. Agreed. Yeah. The other thing is that he hasn't had very many stressful innings at this point. No, he has not. But, But, like, stressful innings are still innings. They are. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, non Or non stressful innings, sorry. Like, they are still innings, but they take less of a toll than... Fair. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I would it shock me if they came out in mid-August and were like, yeah, we're going to kind of transition into the bullpen? <laughs> Probably right. not. Right. Um, but right now, it's not like we've heard, hey, at 120 innings, I don't care if he's made it back, yeah. we're taking him out of the rotation, right? Like Now, what could be interesting here, and you guys might not know this, and I kept this off the off the agenda for a reason. But Mackenzie Gore might not be the only pitcher to kind of come up with those same sort of numbers through his first nine career appearances. If you look at the numbers, all Ronzi Contreras has to do, this is all he has to do, very attainable. He just needs 25 strikeouts over his next two appearances. And if, he, if they're seven innings each, he can allow one earned run and he stays under the 1.50 ERA and has the 55-plus strikeouts. So we're just talking double-digit strikeouts and two appearances, which he can do. He's talented. So I'm, you know, two two podcasts from now, we might be saying, yeah, Mackenzie Gore guy's okay. But the newest member of that club, I guess now the only me- second member of that club, would be Ronzi. But Ronzi's been very good for Pittsburgh. He's basically coming up on record-breaking territory anyway, so we got to give him some love. But – He's legit. He is everything Pittsburgh needed, and I'm sure in a couple of years he'll be a great trade piece for them. Yeah, it's – I'm very confused as to why the Yankees, who haven't been able to homegrow pitching talent consistently in, like, I don't know, over the last – seems like 30 years. Don't you uh, dare disrespect Jabba Chamberlain and Phil Hughes like that ever again. Okay. Well – one of those is worthwhile, the consideration. But um, why they would trade Ronzi Contreras for a off-ridden or off-injured Jamison Tyone uh, still boggles my mind. There's some other pitchers they probably could have given up. 
um, that are not to the level of Contreras. But yeah, this guy has everything he needs to be a floor of a number two starter. Um, and unfortunately for him, he's not going to get very many wins in Pittsburgh right now. Um, but the stuff is there and it's filthy and he's going to anchor their rotation here. Like the way that Mitch Keller could not do and still can't do. I, why'd you have to throw the jab about Keller? (laughs) Hey man, I missed on him too. I thought he was, I thought he was their best pitching prospect. Like, even when they had Cole coming up and Tyone coming up and um, Glass now, and he was taken like the same time as Baz. I thought Keller was the guy, but nope, missed on that one. No, it's now you're maybe you're right. There won't be many wins, but a track record has it. You know he's made seven starts for Pittsburgh dating back to last year or seven appearances. I should say. Sorry, he hasn't lost a game yet. So while there might not be many wins, he might never lose a game in. <laughs> Pittsburgh. So especially if they can continue to find crafty ways of winning. So just also if they know. get no hit, he's guaranteed to no, win. You right? don't have to argue it. It's fine. We agree. We're all in agreement. <laughs> we all move on. Um, James, I'm going to kick it to you with Edward Cabrera here, dominant in his first start, nine Ks against the Rockies. How good can he be moving forward? As it seems like his rotation spot is at least safe for the near future, with the team um, sending Eliezer Hernandez down to the minors. What a just excellent job tra- transitioning there. First off, Colby. Um, Hernandez is never going to stop giving up home runs. So Cabrera's job is as safe as can be. Um, look, he's been a high strikeout guy in the minors. He throws really hard. Um, we've seen this year, high, hard throwing prospects give up a lot of home runs (laughs) in certain ballparks and, uh, Miami doesn't seem like one of them. So, you know, we'll see how things pan out. Um, I don't think his one start and 36% K rate can, you know, I don't think he's going to sustain that, but I do think uh, there is a lot of upside for him. He pitches like he's going to pitch in a good park. I think probably the most impressive thing of his debut was in Colorado, right? Like that's not the best place to pitch. And by that, I mean, actually the worst uh, statistical place to pitch in. Um, And he did damn good. So I think there's a ton of upside in Edward Cabrera. But again, talking about young guys, there's always the chance later in the year that there is a limit. But it's good that he didn't make his debut until June. Maybe they just ride it out for the rest of the year. And um, another just exciting arm for the Marlins, just chock full of them all the time now, these days. Yeah. Any thoughts, Cabrera, Matt? Uh, he's going to be their number two starter going forward, like past this year. Uh, Max Mayer should be the ace of that staff. Um, the only way. Edward Cabrera isn't the number two as if Yuri Perez comes up and takes over the number two spot um, who might actually turn into an ace. But yeah, if you're mining the, the <laughs> miners for pitching prospects, go hard after the Marlins. Cause they have, they are nuts. Want. they've got like eight number two starters in their system right now. It's ridiculous. They're going to trade some of that for offense, but Edward Cabrera is fantastic. He's going to stay in the rotation the rest of this year. Um, I agree. The strikeout rate's probably not going to stay at 36%. That's pretty ridiculous. Um, but somewhere around 30 is probably yeah. pretty reasonable for him. Um, so, yeah, if you if if he's still available, I'd go snatch that guy up. Absolutely. Looks absolutely dominant with the – I believe his changeup is a record-breaking changeup in terms of the velocity behind it. 
Um, yeah, it's a very oh, the, that was the pitching ninja clip, right? He throws like he threw like a ninety-five mile an hour changeup. <laughs> yep. Holy! It's like reminiscent of when Strasburg first came up, and his fastball was like a hundred, and his changeup was like ninety-three. You're like, that's not a changeup. <laughs> that's just it's... a slower fastball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cabrera, Cabrera is going to be absolutely filthy, and I believe uh, this should probably get this out on Tuesday when you'll be hearing this. I believe that's when he makes his first start this week against a national team that there's some strikeout potential to be had there. I will be Quite a lot. that for DFS underdog prize picks and everything in between. <laughs> I don't want to harp on this next point too long, but I have to throw it out there with Kyle Garlick and Lane Thomas going bonkers this weekend. <laughs> what in the hell was that for DFS performances before the slate? I remember looking at Garlick and I was like, there could be, be something here and then i was like no shot don't even you're, you're trying to get too cute then you start getting the alerts and just what is up with these two i know lane thomas has a little bit of pop but not this i don't like i don't want to harp on it too much just, i just basically wanted a chance to vent about what the hell was that with garlic and thomas this weekend on their home run parade uh we'll go to you matt i'm less surprised by lane thomas it's not that he's a national it's just the the pedigree's been there he just got traded out of st louis because they've got like nine thousand outfielders um, he's got pop and it's happened before he goes on runs. Kyle Garlic, I have no idea. Like that dude, I, what bat did you use? Did you, did you find a naturals bat? Like what the heck happened there? It was ridiculous. But I will say that Lane Thomas should continue to be the starting center fielder for the Nats. Cause Victor Robles, I'm done with you. It wasn't, a, it wasn't about the mat. It wasn't about the bat, Matt. It was about the handedness of the pitcher for, for Kyle Garlick. Fair he enough. is a lefty masher. It may only be for two at-bats per game because as soon as a righty comes in, he's gone. <laughs> he's so sent like Matt to the showers. He is sent to don't, – don't disrespect Matt Carpenter on this podcast. I'm his biggest fan. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Kyle Garlick may only get two at-bats per game when he's facing a lefty. But if he homers in that first at-bat – which he did uh, this weekend. Look out, because Kyle Garlick versus lefties. I'm telling you, 300 ISO last year against lefties, 469 nice ISO this year against lefties. I mean, I'm just saying the proof is in the pudding, as Floyd Mayweather once said. Uh, Kyle Garlick and lefties, uh, match made in heaven. It was it was something, and I maybe. <laughs> Maybe now, whenever a lefty's on the slate, I have to be more cognizant of this the garlic fella. Um, just looking at here, you're right. Career marks. He's got 12 home runs and only 129 at bats against lefties for his career. It's a 10 percent so. homer rate. Jesus Christ, dude! I lefties, but they they've been hitting him either first or third, if you can believe that, against lefties. They well, they don't care. 69 ISO. I know. I, hit him third I, know I know. I know. Uh, shout out Kyle Garlic. Most love, most rub you're probably getting on any podcast this week. Yep, absolutely. There, uh, Miguel Andujar requests a trade. No surprise there. I feel like we've been hearing about this for a while. He might get that Clint Frazier treatment where he just doesn't get traded. He'll just toil away there for a little bit. So, James, resident Yankees fan, Andujar, we he, he can get dealt, right? We're not too concerned with losing him. No, I mean, they just waited. It, ultimately, what happened is they waited too long. Same exact same thing, thing with Frazier. I mean, dude, it's just, it's just, again, it's the long list. It's a laundry list of, of what could have been. We could have had Cliff Lee and won a World Series back then, too, and we didn't. We held on to, uh, yep. um, who was the 
the I'm blanking. He lost his helmet a lot. Oh, lost his helmet a lot. Every oh, time he ran the bases, the shortstop third baseman the Yankees had they could have traded him for Cliff Lee. Every time he ran the bases, he lost his helmet. He actually hit it off. One of these times I remember, but the Yankees just have a long history of just not trading guys in time. And we saw what happened with Clint Frazier when everyone thought he was the next big hitting prospect and he's fizzled out. Um, and Jabba, by the way, too. Jabba, I mean, dude, it's just, it's never ending. And and here's another case. I hope they do find a deal for Anduhar. I hope he can play every day because he can hit. Um, but the Yankees just waited too long here. Yep, absolutely there. And it'll see, he'll get dealt for probably nothing at this point, but um, maybe a fresh start will help him, you know, moving away from the Yankees and just for the Andohar sake of things. Uh, the Angels, Taylor Ward gone to the IL. I believe Joe Adele probably will be a factor here. Is there any reason to believe that this time up for Adele will be different? I really want it to be, but I assume it's going to be littered with a couple instances of some loud, hard contact and then a <laughs> insert ample amount metric of strikeouts, whatever word you want to use. Um, there's going to be a lot of strikeouts with Adele. So, Matt, is there any is there any reason for different levels of optimism this time for Adele in the lineup? I don't think so. Um, I think Joe Madden's made it pretty clear that he loves himself and Taylor Ward. Um, and so as soon as Taylor Ward is healthy again, Joe Adele is going back to Salt Lake City. Um, he's kind of – he's the Angels equivalent of Jaron Duran right now, except Duran can actually play. Um where he's just going to be up and down. If there's an injury, Adele's the first guy up, but he's going to go back as soon as the injury, um, you know, settles itself down. So I would not waste any fab or waiver wire pickups or anything on Joe Adele. He's basically a quad A bat at this point. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's my feeling on Adele. James, are you avoiding Adele as well? Um, Yeah. He's a triple A all star, I'll tell you that. He's a lot of a lot of power in triple A. Yep. A lot of strikeouts still, but a lot of power in triple A. Uh, also Eduardo Nunez. Shout out to Eduardo Nunez. Oh, is that the guy you were trying to think of? Yeah, it was the deal with the Cliff Lee deal was the uh was um Montero. I was wrong. But Eduardo Nunez, shout out the uh yep. the great. They they waited too long to trade him too. Just another but yeah, nothing on Adele, sorry. And Grayson Rodriguez lat issue. Uh, it, it was many believe that the, the the excuse me the debut was imminent and it was on the horizon. And now it sounds like we may not even see him again until 2023. So Matt, kind of a twofold question here for you. So what happens now, mainly with Rodriguez? Basically, do you think we see him again in 2023? And how does this affect any of your prospect rankings or outlooks there? Um, the lot doesn't seem to be like a major thing long term, but 2022, it seems to be the case. It doesn't affect his ranking in in my mind at all for Dynasty. Obviously, for this year, sucks. Now, I was in the minority believing that they were not going to call Grayson Rodriguez up this year, um, or at least anytime soon. I know he was lighting AAA on fire and was doing exactly what you want to see him do. But there's no reason for the O's to start the clock on Grayson Rodriguez at this point. Um, they're nowhere close to competing. They should leave Grayson Rodriguez in AAA, which, by the way, they now called up two more dudes, including Gunnar Henderson, to AAA. So if you're an O's fan, go watch the Norfolk Tides very closely because they got D.L. Hall. They've got uh, Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez when he's healthy. There's a couple other guys that are going to be up in the majors pretty soon. But 
Going forward, Grayson Rodriguez is either the best or the second best pitching prospect in baseball in my mind. Um, so yeah, I, look, I would I would treat him very carefully if I was the O's. I wouldn't pitch him again this year, and then give him a shot to make the rotation next year in spring training. James, your thoughts on the Grayson Rodriguez issue? Do you agree with Matt, or do you have any different viewpoints regarding it? I mean, I don't have anything different because the general manager is telling us so. Like, he might not right. even be ready until September. So if he's not ready until September, what's the point? You know. Also, keep in mind the AAA season is shorter than the major league season. So Right. So he would have to come back up. He would return to the majors. Like, he, he would make his debut in September in Baltimore. Unless Norfolk that, makes the playoffs or whatever, but yeah. There's just no point. There's just no point. Well, let's let's wait yeah. till 2023. There's no need to rush. He'll be in probably the opening day uh, roster then. Yep. He should be. And then, you know, one one window closes, another one opens. The Nationals could be welcoming <laughs> Steven Strasburg back to the rotation. At least it seems, I believe, Thursday seems like the potential uh, for Strasburg to make his 2022 season debut. So let's say you own Strasburg in a fantasy league. Are you starting him this first start, or are you going to go with the kind of deploy him on the bench for the first outing, see how things look, and then go ahead and move him or use him regularly moving forward? As the Nats fan, we'll kick it to you first, Matt. If you can make midweek moves, like roster moves in your league, yes, I'm starting him on Thursday against Miami. Um, he's looked now, granted, it was against Class A, but he's looked good. The rust was shaken off. He was able to control the pitches. He had very nice um, – you know, control, which is good coming off of thoracic outlet syndrome. The Nats need all the help they can get in that rotation. Please, dear God, just kick Patrick Corbin to the curb or tell him the plane <laughs> is leaving a different time than it actually is and just eat the rest of that money because that guy is a trash crap. Man. I'm pretty He's, sure I can yeah. go out there and pitch better than Patrick Corbin, and I won't even charge what he's charging for his paycheck. Um, so I would start Steven Strasburg, yes. I, I think he'll be fine. He'll be he stretched out to five plus innings already. Uh, I think the strikeouts will be there for him. So yeah, I, I would start him. James, will you be starting Strasburg in any leagues if it allows for midweek moves? Hell yeah. Um, Miami is over the last two weeks twentieth in OPS, uh, and that includes multiple games played at Coors Field. Right, like it's Miami's offense is slumping. I know they have a couple guys like Matt's. Favorite player, Jesus Sanchez, homered a bunch. But again, court. Jazz Chisholm. Uh, Jazz Chisholm. You know, I'm just saying, like, take. we have to navigate through a couple guys right now in Miami's offense that are really doing any much of anything. Um, I would I would start Strasburg. Um, get as much as, out, as, out of him as you can now because he's not going to be around for much longer. I mean, we, we already know that they're, they're, already, they're already saving him a seat back on the IL. Uh, Probably. Sooner rather than later. I I can't. I agree with both of you. I would be starting Strasburg too, and I in fact will be in a league that I am in. I don't share the same sentiments as Matt with Patrick Corbin. I hope they keep him in the rotation <laughs> because uh, overs for the opposition and anything under for Corbin have been quite profitable yeah, to date sure here has. in 2022. So I I'm not opposed to seeing them continue <laughs> to let the old the old lefty toil in the rotation just for the sake of me playing overs against him. Hell, so just send them down we'll to AAA and call Kate Cavalli up, please. Just as long as there's a, ma- a major split in that 
rotation that I can attack. It's just been Corbin of late. I'm okay. As long as, <laughs> long as I have my easy, my easy pass, like death taxes and literally anybody against Patrick Corbin this season, yeah. um, that'll keep me happy and you won't have to hear me complain about it. So I am, I, that's what I would do. Leave them in the rotation. Let me get my overs, but got to talk about a couple guys here in terms of buying or selling for the rest of the fantasy baseball season here in 2022. So we're going to start with a guy I wrote up in the player spotlight a week or two ago, but in Chicago, we got Christopher Moreau has just been an on base machine. Good. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me clarify. Great speed in terms of 93rd percentile. He's got six stolen bases, two bombs hitting 291 XBA is down at 275. So maybe a little regression coming, but that's pretty good. Double digit walk rate. Um, personally for me, I don't really have to buy, um, Christopher Morel because I picked him up pretty much everywhere. But for those that don't have Morel, would you be buying him? And if you did have him, would you be selling? So what do you think about Morel moving forward? James will go to you first. Um, I think I'm buying and you know, you have to love the speed. I think you brought up a good point about the OBP and if they're going to keep leading him off and guys like Contreras and Schwindel are, are, hitting very well behind him. The runs are going to continue to pile up. Um, he's going to be constantly in scoring position if he's going to continue to run. I, I'm buying Morel, and I, I do like that there's multi-position eligibility somewhere, so um, some places. So, um, yeah, I think I think Morel is a, is a buy candidate right now, and I don't think he's going to cost you all that much. Like, uh, we've talked about some, you know, higher profile or higher profile players on this pod, and... Um, would probably be a little more costly than getting Chris Morrell right now. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm buying Christopher Morrell. I've liked him as a prospect for the Cubs for a while. Um, I think the pop is coming. Like, two home runs is nice, but I think there's more pop there. Um, and the Cubs offense looks a little better with him yeah, they do. At, the, at the top of it. Um so yeah, I'm I'm buying Christopher Morel. I think he's a sleeper of a bat and has been for a little while now. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And I, if you do have him, I definitely would not be selling him because he's he has a little bit of a longer leash right now with Suzuki and VR in the IL. But yep. they're moving him around a little bit. And last time I checked, second base eligibility is not too far. Like on Yahoo, he basically has every position because yep. Yahoo just hands it out <laughs> like candy on Halloween. But like ESPN, NFBC, other formats like that, you got to get to that, that uh, I believe it's a 10 threshold. And he's coming up there on second base. It might not be too far from third base in the future as well. So Yeah, by uh, the way, even when VR is healthy, he's not going to supplant Morrell. Yeah. yeah. VR's it, bat was horrendous when he was healthy. Exactly. And for a Cubs team, you don't really need – you don't you shouldn't be playing VR. You know what he is at this point. He's fine. Right. He'll you need to play your young but, guys. Yep. Exactly. Let Morrell play a little bit there. Uh, are we buying or selling Jose Quintana for the majority of his career? He has not been what he's been this year. Sure, the strikeouts aren't quite there, but the guy's got a 2.32 ERA, but I cannot help but look at that 4.5 expected ERA. The FIP and XFIP aren't quite as bad as the XERA, but still basically saying that regression is in store, BABIP of 284. So for me, I would be selling Quintana as fast as I could. Um, however, maybe perhaps you guys think different. So Matt, we'll kick it over to you for the Pittsburgh South Paul. Uh, I'm in agreement with you. I'm going to be selling. If I don't have Quintana, I'm not getting him. And if I have him, I'm going to try to sell him for <laughs> what I can, because the people that look at the surface numbers are going to enjoy the two, three, two ERA and a decent strikeout rate though. I will say it's below what he's 
been basically his entire MLB career at this point. Yep. Um, the walk rate is a little too high for me as well. Um, in terms of K percentage, he's under 20% K rate, yep. which is which is not great. Um, no. BABIP is pretty high, too. So, yeah, I'm probably selling the 426 Sierra isn't great either. So, yeah. Um, and, and look, he's not playing for a team that's going to get him a ton of wins, right? He's made 10 starts, has one, has three total decisions. And he's got a 2-3-2 ERA. So you're not getting wins. You're not getting a ton of strikeouts. You're getting a decent ERA that's going to go up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell him. James, are you making it a 3-for-3? 3 3-for-3. Three? Uh, three three, uh, not only should we sell him, the Pirates should sell him while they can. Right. Trade piece. <laughs> I mean, just right now, like, never a better time, like, to float that 2-3 ERA out there to uh, some GMs around baseball. But yep. uh, no strikeouts, not pitching deep into games, not getting you quality starts, not getting you wins. Uh, nothing on the fantasy front intrigues me about Jose Quintana. Right, because he's Absolutely. made 10 starts and has 50 and a third innings. So, yeah, it's just there's smack we're not, on the dot no. five innings to start. Yeah, nothing. Yep. yep. Firm sell there. And the last one here for buyer sell, looking at Luis Guillorme with the Mets hitting a cool 340 right now, 434 OBP. He's really been boosted by an insane yep. 386 BABIP. So, for me, this is kind of a similar thing with Quintana. Like, We've seen him in little spurts hit for a decent average, but I mean, back in 2018, 209, and even 265 in about 70 games last year. So for me, this is another easy sell, maybe not quite as easy as Quintana, but with the fact that Guillermo doesn't do anything else other than hit for a decent average when hot, uh, he's an easy sell for me if anyone wants to give you anything viable for him. Um, James, are you are you with me on that one? Yeah, I mean, he started the season 259 March and April, and then just... Everyone, you know, people have good months. He had 414 in May, but he had one home run. He had 12 runs scored. Uh, he had six RBIs. Like, I like him as the occasional DFS play. He let off a couple times when they had Nimmo out of the lineup. Um, and I think that's where your fantasy interest should lie. If uh, Nimmo's out, which he tends to be often, and Yarmay's leading off, then maybe you get him a cheap, as a cheap DFS play. But in terms of season long, I, I have little to no interest in a guy who just, you know, does... Very little. Verbal yep. verbal retweet. Love it. Ditto. Just like the, the new age ditto right there. So I agree <laughs> as well, obviously. Um, last little bit here before we wrap this episode up. Level of concern. Uh, we gave a lot of praise to Miami pitcher Edward Cabrera, but I feel like there might be a little bit of disdain coming here for Trevor Rodgers, who's really, really struggled this year and really since kind of the back part of last year, currently sitting at a 580. ERA, and I guess if you want to be an optimist, his 5.18 FIP is better than his 5.80 ERA. (laughs) If that's even a silver line, the X FIP is even better, Colby. And keep going down the line, the X FIP's even better. I should, I should, but it seems there's just been some issues here with Rodgers, and the big one is the the home runs. They're just there again. That's basically the second back in 2020, they were there, not in 2021, and now they are back. So I'll kick this over to you guys for a quick scale. One being not concerned at all. Ten being freaking out and panicking and running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Where are you at, Matt, with Trevor Rogers? Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty high up there. So I guess let's. If you drafted him to be like your number two, then you're very concerned, right? Um, if you have him in a dynasty league, I wouldn't be as concerned. I think he can figure out some of the issues. It's walks and homers. 
right? And if we look back when he was good in the minors, he had those under control. When he's been bad in the minors, it's been walks and homers. Um, but if you're in a redraft, I'm incredibly concerned about Trevor Rogers because he's obliterating your ratios, not getting you wins, not going deep into starts uh, at all, and not helping your strikeouts. So I'm I'm very very concerned. Where are you at, James, in the whole the whole Trevor Rogers saga? Um, I mean, I'm concerned. He's not getting strikeouts. The swing strike rate is down. Um, the called strikes are down. He's not throwing strikes at all. So I'm I'm definitely worried. Around a seven, I'd probably put it somewhere between like a six point five and a seven. That's a perfect place to be. Yeah, some people. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm quite concerned with Rodgers as well. Maybe this other left-hander uh, out west is one that maybe we're a little bit less concerned about, but. Patrick Sandoval, he's got a nice little three and one record, a two, eight, one ERA looks quite nice. But for me, I can't look past just the 22% strikeout rate with, a, <clears throat> excuse me, with an 11 and a half percent walk rate, just not going to quite do it for me. I was very high on him coming into the year. It just, he's, he's been good. I don't know if you can go much past that. So what's the level of concern, uh, James, we'll go to you first with Patrick Sandoval. Um, 4.4. I think that, um, you know, he is still generating a good solid amount of solid uh, swinging strikes. Not a lot of hard contact. 29% uh, is, is a very positive sign. Um, the only thing I'll say is um, there's a quick hook there in Los Angeles. Big time. Uh, we've seen it with Syndergaard a couple times. And, and pitchers do not go deep into games. And Sandoval really hasn't. I think that's been my you know, biggest concern, like he had a good stretch, but I mean, the last two starts, four and two thirds, just two earned, but four walks is obviously um, not good. So like the walks and the long jet and the length is a problem. Uh, I do think the strikeouts will be there. We saw it last year in a, a pretty decent sample before the injury. Uh, he is a guy who misses bats. So I would say less than a five, um, some concern if he can't hone in on the control, but I do think the strikeouts are going to play uh, over time. I'm I'm a little less concerned than James, I guess. Yeah, the quick hook is a bit of an issue. Um, but, I mean, it's a 281 ERA and 306 FIP. Or, sorry, 306 expected ERA, 285 FIP. The XFIP is a little higher at 407. That's still not going to kill you this day and age, right? Um, he's not giving up homers, which helps. The walks... They've been a concern, though, for the last... I mean, that's been a concern with him for a while now. It's not... Yes, they're a little higher, right. but not not much. Uh, I like the 52.5% ground ball rate because um, stringing together hits nowadays is the only way you're going to get in trouble with that. So, yeah, the innings are a little bit of a concern, but everybody's innings are a concern for starters Fair. this year. Like, that's been the talk when we looked at project when you look across the industry for projections i think there was only like two or three dudes that were anywhere close to 200 innings pitched on the year so innings isn't a major concern for me i'm not that concerned with patrick sandoval and the last one here for the level of concern will be a little two for one we're gonna go with alex bregman hitting just 221 on the year of the putrid 230 babbitt so what is the level of concern with alex bregman and then subsequently what is the level of concern with the Houston Astros offense if we remove Jordan Alvarez and his incredible hot streak right now for the moment? So, Matt, you first. 
First is Alex Bregman. Second is the Houston offense. Sands, Jordan Alvarez. I'm more concerned about the entire Astros offense than I am about individually Alex Bregman. I feel like Bregman has these streaks where he just goes cold and then he'll come roaring back. Um, So I'm a little less concerned about that, and he might also be feeding off of other guys who are cold at the same time. Because we've heard that before, right, where the lineup can beat off each other. So if it's going well, then everybody's hot. And if it's going badly, then everybody can start cooling off. Like Kyle Tucker's cooled off massively, too. Um, So I'm not that concerned with Alex Bregman. But I'm pretty concerned about the whole group. Because restarting that whole thing is going to take a lot more effort than just restarting Alex Bregman. Same question to you, James. Alex Bregman and the Houston offense as a whole, where is the level of concern with those two? Really one and a half, but two. Uh, Very concerned with Bregman. I still think the wrist, there's something going on with the wrist. Like, there's just no power. Um, He just doesn't look good. Even versus lefties, something that he's notoriously been great against. So I'm definitely pretty concerned, probably in the sixes. And then the Astros, I'm probably a little less concerned. Um... As a whole, I think they just have too good of a, a lineup and too good of a body, you know, just sample size to just not hit for, you know, an extended period of time. So I'm not as concerned as the Astros as a whole as I am as Bregman as a, you know, as a standalone player for fantasy. And then to put a bow on this week's episode, we're going to go ahead and give our bold prediction for the week that lies ahead. James's bold prediction last week fell up just short with the George Kirby strikeouts, whereas Matt hit the nail on the head with the home runs for his good buddy old pal and favorite player, Jesus Sanchez. <laughs> so, James, what is your bold prediction for the week that lies ahead? Uh, I'm going to go with the GOAT. Uh, I'm so happy he got out of Colorado, coming off a dynamite start against Tampa Bay, 12 strikeouts last week. I was going to go strikeouts, but um, um, Cleveland does not strike out this year. They have a 14% carry rate over the last two weeks, so I was going to go strikeout for John Gray, but I'm going to go two wins this week for John Gray. Um, I, I really like the fit right now. He looks healthy since returning from the IL, so two wins for John Gray. And Matt, what's the prospect call for this week? Um, so it's going to be sticking with homers, and it's going to be sticking with the top prospect, and we're going to say Adley Rutschman gets his first career home run. Um, he's come close a little bit. Um, to, to this point, he's been robbed a couple of times. So we're going to say that Adley Rutschman gets his first home run. I'll continue the trend with a younger player in terms of age. I, unlike James, will go with the strikeouts. And I'm going to say Edward Cabrera puts up 20-plus strikeouts this week in his two starts looking at matchups against Washington. Sorry, Matt. And then Houston. Sorry, Houston. That's just how it's going to be. Cabrera's going to dominate them with his 187-mile-an-hour fastball and 184-mile-an-hour changeup. So 20-plus Ks for Edward Cabrera this week. So those are our predictions, and that's a lot of the recap of all the MLB action we've seen in the past week, talking buy or sell certain players' level of concern. So before the next podcast, make sure you give Matt a follow on Twitter at the TheSellsMan. Give James a follow at the underscore real underscore grande, and you can find me on Twitter at Colby R. Conway. Make sure you're checking out all the content, Fantasy Alarm, DFS Alarm, all the the positional spotlights, DFS content, whatever you need, we have it here on the site. So make sure you check that out, and then we will see you next week with the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. <laughs>